On this third Sunday of Advent, as we think about the coming of Jesus Christ, we light the candle of joy. When Christ comes into our lives, he brings the fullness of joy. He anoints our hearts with the oil of gladness. When Jesus was born, the angel said that his coming was good news of great joy for all the people. Because Christ has come to us, we can live every day in the joy of the Lord. Praise to his name. Well, third week of Advent, it's the week of joy. Remember the first week of Advent, we lit the first candle. It's the short one, you can always tell. And it was the candle of what? Hope, that's right. Then the next week, we lit the candle of? Love. Songs going through my mind. And then the pink candle is the candle of joy. That's on the third week of Advent. Now let me ask you a question. What's with all the Christmas lights? Have you ever walked around your neighborhood? There's always that one guy, right? Right? There's always that one guy who's out there doing Fortis favors. Who, who really, really, really loves to get into the spirit of Christmas and make everyone else in the street look bad. And, and then you have, of course, whole streets that get in on it and, and, and you know, they're decorating their houses, they're stringing the lights. Now, I, 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 I do the simple thing at our house. I just leave them up all year round. And then sometime in December, I stumble outside and plug them in. Who's with me? Yes? But there are lights in the house. Uh, I, I don't go all uh, Clark Griswold. That, that's the next picture, Cameron. I, I don't do that. Some people have calculated just how much the Griswold house would have cost them with all those lights. Uh, I love the part in the movie where uh, the nuclear power plant, the whole, all the lights in the city start to dim. And then you see some guy at the nuclear power plant flip the auxiliary power on. And then the, the, the city lights back up. What's with all the Christmas lights? You know, the reality is this week, I think you're all aware of this. What are we facing this week? The shortest days of the year. This week, we will experience the darkest time of the year, for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, the darkest time. And by the time we gather again next week, guess what? We'll be through it. You might not feel it, you might not know it, but we'll be through it, right? This will be the darkest time of the year. Now, isn't it interesting? I find it fascinating. Isn't it interesting that it's during the darkest time of the year that we celebrate the coming of the light of the world. I love that. Now there's history to it. People used to dance around fires and celebrate the winter solstice and do a few things like that. But along the way, Christians said, that's a great idea. Because it's during the darkest time of the year that we celebrate the coming of the light of the world, Jesus Christ. We celebrate that the light of the world has come in to our darkness. And right here, at the darkest time of the year, when we would think all hope is lost, it's just going to get darker and darker, and then done. No, it's not true. Right at that moment of darkness, the light dawns, the days begin to get longer again. Maybe, when do you really notice that the days start getting longer? Anyone? When do you really notice it? February, March. Oh, come on, people. Supposed to say December 25th. 
takes a few days, but you start to realize, oh, look at that. I was eating breakfast yesterday. It was dark, and uh, I'm starting to see things outside. It's light. Oh, no, I slept in. But no, the days start to get longer. Imperceptibly slow, perhaps, but it starts to get longer. There's something about the putting up of lights, the, the, the Christmas lights, the Christmas candles. There's something about the lights that we love. Twinkling lights, colored lights, snazzy lights. We love it, right? I think, just like gift giving, last week we talked about that, I think there's something about the lights that also points to Jesus. That if someone's out there stapling yet more lights on top of his roof, he's doing something that points to the reality, the core story of Christmas, that the light of the world has come. Darkness has always been a metaphor for struggle. We know that, we think of that. And so I want to ask you, when you think about darkness, metaphorically speaking, when you think about darkness, when you think about struggle, when you think about some of the things that are going on either in your life or the life of friends and family, maybe some of the things we already mentioned and pray about, but what do you think of when you think of darkness as a struggle, darkness as what's going on around you? What do you think of? Hopelessness, despair, grief, Depression, Keith, sadness, yep, loss. Sometimes we look around us and we see darkness, things like marriages that are falling apart, illness. What else? Debt. Absolutely. And if we spent too much on Christmas, we feel it even more. In the new year, debt can feel like a crushing load of darkness. What else? Isolation and death feels awfully dark. Yep. Destruction. Say that again. Discord. Yeah. Yeah. When there's struggle, there's fraction between people. Darkness is a real thing. And, and many of us struggle with it. Some of us even struggle like where the, the, the physical darkness then affects us mentally, you know, like seasonal affective disorder or just the fact that, you know, I know when I was growing up further north where the days were even shorter, I remember, like, it seemed like for months. I'd go to school in the dark and then you're stuck in a room with no windows and then you go home in the dark and you think, oh my goodness, what's going on? The best time today, why am I doing school at night? Or you know, whatever. But, you know, you never see the daytime and that can really, really affect us. As I mentioned I think, did I mention it earlier? Uh, I, no, I didn't. Uh, the candlelight service with grief and loss. Um, I have had the privilege over the last few years to be part of the candlelight service that they offer at the funeral home. They offer a service early in December for those who've lost someone kind of that year. And uh, I, I love that service, but one of the things um, I always talk about is how the candle is a, is a beautiful symbol of, of hope, but it also points, points to Jesus because at the darkest time of year when they're experiencing grief and loss, they can remember that light, light has dawned. Well, we're going to look today at a very familiar passage of scripture. We already sang about it today with uh, the, the one uh, carol we, we sang. We're going to read together from Luke chapter 2, the very famous story about the shepherds on the hills watching during the darkest time. We're going to read it for you and then make some observations uh, for us this morning with a bit of a challenge. So here we are, Luke chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to start actually a little bit back, verse 6, and then go. So Mary and Joseph are, are in Bethlehem. 
verse 6. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she, that's Mary, gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, which would have been dark. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. We already heard this this morning, remember? I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. A couple of things about these shepherds that struck me as I was reflecting on this this week. The first thing is, is who the shepherds are. They were very isolated, less thans. Now, I know we don't always think of it that way. We kind of have an image in our mind of the shepherds being sort of idyllic. You know, King David was a shepherd, right? We even recite the psalm, and they did too. The Lord is my shepherd. The truth is, though, that shepherd sort of metaphor, even idealized kind of romantic picture, had nothing to do with the smelly guys down the road who actually worked with sheep. So there was sort of this idealized version, but then there was the real guys that you kind of stayed away from. And the truth is, shepherds in that day were not, well, the cream of the crop. They were kind of backward, literate, uneducated, out there. And they were, you know, they didn't come in very often. They slept with the sheep, unwashed, filthy, kind of like, you know, me when I was a kid up in northern Alberta. There's a similarity there. They were kind of the the unwashed, as it were, the less than. We know this is true from some of the, the, the work scholars have done to understand even why people reacted in certain ways. They were less thans. But they were also out there in the dark doing lonely work. And they were kind of shuffled off to the side. You know, remember back in the story, you may remember this, you may not, um, the story of King David when, when, when Samuel is looking to anoint the next king. And he goes through all of David's brothers. And they're like, he's like, come on, there's got to be someone more. Remember what they say at that point? Oh, right. We do have a younger brother. He's out in the field with the sheep, right? So there, there's a living example of sort of the youngest kid is sent out there. And frankly, they forgot they had him. He's out there taking care of the sheep. This is the kind of life these shepherds had. They're there, they're doing their work, but they're not really central. They're not regarded as uh, important. And yet it's to them that this revelation comes. 
is to them that the angel shows up. I think that's fascinating. I think that's just something about the character of God. That when he is doing something special, he not only shows up to the Magi, he also shows up to the shepherds. They get the news. They're invited to respond to what God has done. Second, not only were they isolated and alone, they were also nearby, and you could say they were awake. They were present. They were near. When the Magi got the news, it was kind of obscure, a star in the sky, they were who knows how far away, thousands of miles? They estimate they may have had to travel for months and months. There was a reason why Herod, when he was viciously thinking, how how old do these kids have to be for me to wipe them out? He put the number at two years. It might have taken the Magi a year, a year and a half to find Jesus, to come from where they had come. The Magi were far, far away. But these shepherds, they were right next door. They were right on the hill. They were right there. They were awake. They were present. They were able to respond to what God was doing immediately. God showed up. And they may not have known fully what God was doing, but they were able to respond to what God was was doing right there in their presence. Their proximity actually mattered. Third, they, of course, received this shocking news. When angels show up, we know that all through the story. It's terrifying, right? Has anyone ever had an angelic encounter here? It seems like whenever angels showed up, the first thing they had to say was what? It's okay. Get up off the ground. It's okay. I'm not going to kill you. You know, don't be afraid. Always had to say that. Don't be afraid. And these angels are no different. Don't be afraid. I've got great news for you. Today, someone's been born. Everything changes. Something that's going to bring great joy to you and to the world. Don't be afraid. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, in the studies I was even reading a book this week, a lot of different Uh, There were a lot of different expectations among the Jewish people of that time. Sometimes, I think, Christians can think that everyone in, you know, the the people of Israel had the same expectation. They were all looking for a Messiah. The truth is, that wasn't the way it was. Some of them were looking for a Messiah. Some of them were, frankly, looking for a couple of Messiahs. Some of them weren't thinking about that at all. Some of them were just trying to make a living, trying to make do. Some of them were trying to cozy up to the present government. They didn't think God had much to do with it at all. They were just trying to figure out, how do I work this system with the Romans in power so I can get the most out of it for me and for my family? There was a lot of different views and expectations as to how God or if God was going to work things out. But whatever the expectations of these shepherds were, whatever the expectations of the people around there were, this was shocking that God showed up and that as an angel filled the, the heavens and the field, these shepherds received this news. Whatever expectations they may have had, it was overturned. Nothing could have prepared them for this. Everything they ever would have thought would have been changed in a moment. And then, of course, they received an invitation. It was all told to them so that they could respond. This struck me as Jesus or the Father revealed through this angel that Jesus had been born, it wasn't just so nearby people could be informed. You know, it wasn't just a special news bulletin or just a special interest story so that people could kind of, hey, did you know? You know, kind of like who buys those Hello magazines with like the latest news on the latest child from Kate? Anyone? No one's willing to admit it. Okay, so... People read about the royals all the time, right? They read about what's going on. Oh, look at that. She's got a baby bump. And look at that. And it's going to be a boy and a girl and all that stuff. 
That isn't what the angels showed up to tell these guys so that they could sort of fawn over or, or tell the friends. They actually showed up to issue them an invitation to come, to respond. There was something really concrete about it. They were told what they had to do to find this baby. They were given the location. They were given the, the, the signs that they were to look for. And it was an invitation for them to go. The invitation shows up, and now they've got to choose. Would they choose to get in on the joy of Christ's coming? Well, of course they do. We know that. They're amazed. They get up. They go. They find Jesus. They're so thrilled. We don't, we're not told a lot about what happens, but they know that what the angel told them has been fulfilled in this baby. And they're just thrilled with what they see, and they share that knowledge, and they tell others, and others are amazed too. But I think for us here in the third Sunday of Advent, that's the choice that we're faced with as well. The choice, the question, we who have heard the story are familiar with it, maybe for some of us, it's maybe newer. For some of us, we've heard this again and again and again. We're forced with the choice. Will we get in on? Will we choose to get in on the joy of Christ's coming? For some of us, this incredibly familiar story gets blasé and old. How many of you, by the time we were done singing, while shepherds washed their flocks tonight, but thought, oh my goodness, is there another verse? Anyone? You can think, oh man, I've heard this story before. I've heard this, I've heard this, I've heard this. And yet, this story poses the question to us. Will we choose to get in on the joy of Christ's coming? Because this story, the truth is, as familiar as it might be, is just as transformative, is just as relevant to us now as it was to them then. It's just as relevant and just as transformative to our neighbors and friends as it was for the people that the shepherds themselves told. This announcement comes to you and comes to me, asking the question, will you choose, will I choose, to get in on the joy of Christ's coming? Advent, we know, is all about prep. It's all about getting ready. It's helping us as a people in a time when we are so busy doing regular life, let alone layer on top of that all the stuff we have going on around Christmas. It helps us just press the pause button and to remember, what is this all about? To help get our hearts and our minds ready to truly celebrate and receive what God has for us at Christmas, the joy of Jesus coming. But it does come during the darkest time of the year. For some of us, there could be darkness that we're experiencing because of all the things we've already mentioned. And as a result, it's easy for us to lose sight that there really is joy in Christ's coming. I don't know what's going on for you. I know some, and we know some of what's going on for each other, but I know that many of us, we're wrestling with this question. Am I going to choose the joy of Christmas? Am I going to choose to celebrate the joy of Christ's coming? Personally, it's been a very overwhelming season for me. I think you know that. I, uh, there's been days the last few weeks where I'm just like, I don't even know what to do. You know, I don't know what to say. Don't know how to pray. And, uh, and so there's been a lot going on in our family life with medical stuff and, and my dad. But the question for me is still the same. Am I going to choose to get in on the joy of Christ's coming? And I've been reflecting on that because the question is, well, what does that look like? 
Like, how do I do that? How do you do that? How do we choose joy? How do we choose to get in on the joy of Christ's coming and not just be overwhelmed by all the stuff that's going on or frankly, whether it has to do with Christmas or just life? How do we choose joy? How do we celebrate the coming of Christ, the light of the world, during this darkest time? And so that's my question for us. How will you do that this week? Some of you, it could be that you need to decide there's certain things I'm not going to do this Christmas because I find it soul-crushing. I need to choose joy by saying no to some things. Others, it's going to have to be decided. There's a couple weeks left of Christmas, you know, before Christmas. What are some key things that I want to make sure are, are part of this next few weeks? Maybe say no to some things so I can say yes to some other things. An invitation to a friend, even just for coffee some cards that I want to write, some things that I want to say or do, or things I want to make sure I don't miss so that I can really choose to celebrate the joy of Christ's coming. Maybe it will be the call that the Holy Spirit, I think, gives to all of us to to be a bearer of that joy or that light to others. How will you light up others' lives during this dark time? Maybe it's an invitation to them. Maybe it's even an invitation to Christmas Eve. I don't know. Maybe it's taking one of those world vision gifts that we're encouraging you to consider, making it part of your gift giving as a way of of bringing light and bringing joy to, to others. Where we say, it's not just about me receiving joy, but it's also about helping others experience joy during this season. I don't know what it is for you, but I do encourage you to ask the question, how will you choose to get in on the joy of Christ's coming. I'd like you to consider that. I have a music video I'd like you to watch. It's, it's by King and Country. Uh, they're a great band. Our kids saw them at Chick. Uh, Ethan saw them at Chick twice. Um, they're, they're great. Uh, two brothers, I think they're Australian. But they really, um, they really capture the challenge of choosing joy in the midst of, it's not, it's not a Christmas video in particular, but in the midst of, of so many voices, uh, stories that can, can make us despair, make us less joyful, then there's the choice to choose joy. So as you reflect on the question, how will you choose joy this Christmas, I invite you to watch this video and I'll come back. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight's lead story once again is Megastorm Hercules. Yes, and though it seems to be settling over the entirety of the continental United States of America, there is some good news. It is the storm of the century. It has utterly paralyzed our nation. On a brighter note, uh, people are really... It's already claimed the dubious title of the worst of all time. Thank you for that, Nancy. Why don't we take a look at the weather? Lately I've been reeling, watching the nightly news Don't seem to find the rhythm, just wanna sing the blues Feels like a song that never stops
Well, my prayer for all of us this Christmas is that we would choose joy. We remember that during the darkest times, 
There's a light that has dawned in the coming of Christ. That there's no darkness that's able to defeat his light. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm thankful that during Christmas, the world celebrates your coming. We may not always understand it. There's so much going on around us that points to the reality that, God, you did not remain distant, but you came to us in your Son, Jesus. You offer yourself to us now by your Holy Spirit, and you invite us all to experience your joy, the joy that is down, down, down in our hearts. It comes from you. May we be a community that chooses joy, that shares joy, that declares that because you are the king and the light of the world, there's a reason for joy, even when things may seem dark, knowing that your light has dawned and it will never fade away. Would you send us now with your blessing? Would you send us now with your heart? And would you fill us with your joy? We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.